Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. This just this just kind of popped into my head. I had to Google it while I was up getting a drink here. But do you guys remember um, Archie number two hundred and thirty three? <laughs> Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> it's like it's from the 60s. It's got like a 20 cent cover price. The cover is Archie and Betty and Veronica, and they're hanging out on like a uh, uh, frozen over lake. And there's all these like ice boats, like these sail uh, ice boats with sails, and I guess ice skates on, the, on like little runners. And Veronica's saying, Have you ever seen anything go as fast as those ice boats? <laughs> 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 this is Go <the> cover. on. <laughs> this is on the cover. Like this isn't even the inside where it gets better. But Archie says, "Yeah, my allowance." <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm just saying, like we're in good company, hitting number two hundred thirty-three, guys. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's get some claps. So we know that that's our fucking intro for this stupid podcast we listen to and do. <laughs> To the comics place we're open yay yay welcome in welcome, welcome in, in. Uh, Oops, we're doing hey masks. sorry we're doing masks in here yeah welcome <laughs> hey, in hey if i could get you to pick up that free mask right there and put that on oh you don't want to well you can just okay cool you're already gesturing to wait outside i'll see you outside it, it doesn't have to be over your nose if you're on the street if you're on the street <laughs> yeah exactly you don't have to wear it out there <laughs> um episode 233 where every week we talk about a whole bunch of the comics that come into our now reopened comic shop the comics place bellingham washington 233 that's a prime number it's a prime number right i don't know anything about i'm not good with prime numbers yeah 233 is a prime number is it I think so. this is the one with all the prime numbers. We're <laughs> to look at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Django, you guys, do you remember the episode of Friends, episode two thirty three? It was two after uh, Ross learned the, to speak Joey's, French. Right? Joey, uh-huh. Joey, was Joey speaking French? <laughs> yeah, it was Joey speaking. Okay, Mister Friends guy. <laughs> I'm not. I, I don't know why you would think I'm Mister Friends guy. I watched two or three episodes of Friends today. <laughs> I've been unwinding by getting back into Tetris, and it's fucking me up again, buddies. Wait a minute. It's also 233 has three X's in the Roman numeral. It's CC. Happy episode 233 from Will Elmer. We continue this journey through the barren land of unassigned zip codes that is Modesto, California. 233 Uh, fact. Detective Comics 233 featured the debut of Batwoman Kathy Kane. While primarily a Silver Age character and largely forgotten to obscurity, Kathy Kane made her triumphant return into modern continuity via Grant Morrison as an agent of Spiral. For more information on Kathy Kane and her adventure in Spiral, tune into the Smash Hit podcast, Batman in Quarantine. Those come out on Mondays and Thursdays, and there should be a new episode this Thursday. Uh, Despite Kathy's obscurity... With only about 100 copies in the CGC registry, low-graded copies of Detective Comics 233 sell in the $4,000 to $6,000 range. So my question for all of you today is, what is the most rare and expensive comic book that you hope to own one day? Will, what an amazing twist. 
What an amazing <laughs> twist to this area code thing that you've done, because yeah. now you've started including, and now you, I don't want to build this up for you and create an expectation because you be whoever you want to be, but that's a really interesting comic book fact that you're now just throwing at us. And I love this game. So yeah. before we get into the books that we're going to be talking about this week as three good buddies who love each other, oh, by the way, I'm Jeff. Oh, I'm Django. And I'm Roman. We're going to answer this question. What is the, okay, I think, okay. Well, I think I know Django's. Oh, do you? I, I think so. Well, it would be the first appearance of the shadow. That's what I would say. That's what and, I was yeah. going to say. And yeah. as soon as I then thought, I was like, wait, are we getting like fictional high? Because maybe the first Batman, if you were like sitting there and someone was going to offer you the first appearance of the shadow or the first Batman for free, the like it would be the first Batman. Cause then I could okay. buy like 400 copies Shad of yeah. the shadow. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. wanted, but, yeah. but as a fan, the one that I would most like to own and not sell would be the first appearance of the shadow. Yeah. Django, what what was the first appearance of the shadow in? I think I mean if if you don't include the pulps, I think it would have to be the Shadow Comics number one from like 1942, I believe. I, I, I was thinking of I was thinking including the pulps though. Oh gosh, that that was that actually might be the Street and Smith Detective Hour hmm. uh, magazine. Wow. What? When back, you know, he started as a, a romance announcer yeah. on on the radio shows and turned into a detective guy yeah so that whole came out sometime in the late 30s i'm trying to think yeah, about I think it was 1936 37 oh mid-30s yeah i'm to think about this question you guys and it's kind of tricky because a lot of the comics that i want aren't like unreasonable mm -hmm. i really like a fantastic 448 like a nice one that would be that's in the world of like attainable comic, like, you know, that one, my, my probably like crazy one would be, I, I would really like a Fantastic Four number one. That mm -hmm. that would be like the crown jewel. But realistically, a Fantastic Four 48, I think is, is one that I would love. An Amazing Fantasy 15 would be way up there. But in the realistic realm, Fantastic Four 48, and then a nice copy of Sp the Spider-Man 120. I think it's 120, it might be 122. The Death of Gwen Stacy. 121 okay. isn't it is it 121 maybe maybe it's one it's oh. one of those three but yeah it's got <clears> the <throat> green goblin like flying down and that was just the first valuable comic i ever had my dad gave it to me and then i sold it on ebay um as like an eight-year-old <laughs> and got 120 dollars for it almost a dollar like per issue 20 comics yeah <laughs> and uh and i've wished i had it ever since then so can those, i can those I, would be my two can i change mine yeah I want The Shadow by Andy Helfer and Kyle Baker, number 20. Is that the purple cover one that you already have a bunch of? No, it's the one that never got published. It's the uh, next issue after they canceled uh, it. <laughs> I would I would, uh, I would, would smother Axel Alonzo in his bed to read that comic. Do you think that there is a script? Do you think there's like an illustrated copy of that out there somewhere? Like, do you no, know how far they got it? Those guys dropped it like a hot fucking okay, potato. They were so like, they... this $3 royalty check is not worth making another comic, so we quit yeah and they wrote him into a corner and nobody picked it up it would just be awesome if like there was uh like we finished it they just didn't want to print it so somewhere in a safe are those pages or something but i don't i don't think that's has, the case has, has nobody picked up that story since that last issue they did oh my god no. i can't believe wow no. that issue of action comics where ambush bug first appeared no just kidding i have that you um <laughs> no actually it'd be uh i've actually had dreams about finding this comic like in a field somewhere happened to be driving by um 
Hulk number one. Oh, I do want. I thought he was going to say Hulk. Or like, okay, do you mean like Hulk number one or like in, in, Tales in, to Astonish first appearance of Hulk? In, incredible Hulk number one, the first appearance okay. of the Hulk. From okay, 60, I, I didn't. Re- or, yeah, it was, he had six issues called the Incredible Hulk and then it became Tales to Astonish with him and the Submariner until it switched wow. back to the, incredible, the Hulk numbering with issue 102, I think. I had no idea. That's super cool. Yeah, and they gave Subby his own book. Um, I just want everyone to know that 233 is I I I I I Oi, oi, oi. You're Roman, aren't you? I, I, rowdy, I, I, rowdy, rowdy. Um, that was an awesome email to start this off with, Will. Thank you so much. We're going to be talking question. about a, a big old slew of comics this week in a variety of orders and operations. And this is the stack I've got right now. I'm going to move them around. Oh, my God. I just realized there's not a Marvel comic in it, so I'm going to change that. But... Uh, we're gonna talk about <laughs> Ha Ha number six. We're talking uh, about J- Joker number five, Silver <laughs> Coin number four, Rorschach number ten. Um, a Marvel book, either Thor or Way of X, and Batman the Detective number four. We also might throw some extra rowdy rowdy things in there if it's all going according to plan. I and like it. Yeah, and we're that's doing a, that's well. That's a pretty good pile of books. It's a good pile of books. And if we've forgotten anything, <laughs> Roman, just holler at us and start talking I, about it, okay? I forgot. I wanted to throw in a Rowdy Roddy Piper tagline, but I couldn't remember of any of his. So, damn. Yeah, he had that cool jacket. I want to know everybody else's dream comic to have, actually. If you want to write in and let us know, send us a voicemail. Um, what is the... Will, that was a really great question. What is everyone's dream comic? Also, Django will store all those in his head and hopefully try and get them. And when we get them, he'll just... Four years from now, he'll be like, Nathan Butcher, I've got a phone... I found this comic book and it, you came into the store. I know you haven't been here in three years, burp, but I, I got this book for you and I, I, it's, I got it. You just became Rick from Rick and Morty, I think. I feel a little bit bad, Jeff, that uh, uh, Sean Marcella ended up with our Fantastic 448 the last time we had one. Yeah, you know, it would. It, I, I don't think I'll ever feel comfortable taking a Fantastic 448 from the store. Um, I just watch them come in and sort of dream about taking them myself and then watch them go out. We've had two, <laughs> right? And Yeah, two or three of them. Yeah. Ha Ha, number six by W. Maxwell Prince, Martin Marazzo, and O'Halloran. It's almost like an issue of Ice Cream Man, except for, wait, is it an issue of Ice Cream Man? I couldn't remember if this was an issue of Ice Cream Man while I was reading it the whole time. It looks a lot like one, and it's set in the, the Ice Cream Man universe. In fact, fun fact, I'm pretty sure that this is the only issue of Ice Cream Man that happens at the same time as another issue of Ice Cream Man. But I'm confused by that because you see bits of Ice Cream Man other issues in the background of issues all the time. You see references to other issues, but I don't think you ever see, like you don't see that something is set in the same moment. And I'm pretty sure that this is this whole issue is set during the ambulance issue okay. where the whole town goes mad and they're killing each other and setting things on fire. That's happening in the background of this issue from like page seven or so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We even see the ambulance in one of the panels. We see the ambulance dudes, I think. Yeah. They? They're yeah, in yeah. the hospital, I think. Oh, uh, okay. Um, it, does the parakeet, is there a parakeet in a different issue? Or maybe I'm just thinking mm-hmm. about that weird scene with like the egg, the fetal egg bird, the fetal bird in an issue. The, there is a parakeet in an issue. There's um, the, the dog surgeons are from one of the, the TV issues 
Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of it's just like the parakeet seemed like a really important part of this. So I was wondering, is this mm-hmm. main character from an issue of Ice Cream Man that I don't remember? Not that I remember. This is continuing the haha trend of bizarre stories about clowns. Um, I, I think that I didn't read two issues of Ha Ha. I think I read four of the six. Mm-hmm. Now that it's over, I don't really know for sure what I think it is. Um, whereas Ice Cream Man, I can kind of say it's like an anthology issue by issue sort of meditation on both nihilism, but also this kind of possible meta idea of sort of chaos and order having a, you know, a battle. Um, whereas Ha Ha, I don't really know. There's like, some issues aren't nihilistic sad things but then this one feels like an issue of ice cream man mm-hmm. um i'm curious roman did you like haha as a whole by the end of it i feel like the i don't feel like you said negative things about it but i feel like you like the last maybe like maybe four and five you finished it and you're like yeah i'm not i don't know you said something that made me said feel like you weren't i don't know I in love with it i can't remember uh i do i do think like I don't even remember exactly what the last issue of that was that I read. I mean, I've read them all so far, but I just don't remember what issues numbers they are. Um, and I didn't realize the series was over. Yeah, this is the final one. Okay. As far as uh, I know. I can't, yeah. And there were, I had a couple of issues there before this one that were just a little kind of, I don't know, experimental side things it felt like and whatever the last story was, which I don't remember. Yeah. I, I think it was like the one that wasn't sad at all. And you were like, this one wasn't sad at all right it was the old lady right yeah and it was you know it was sweet it was all right but yeah it disappointed me because it wasn't sad because i expect sadness out of this book called haha <laughs> obviously right yeah <laughs> i don't want happy clowns i want sad depressing suicidal clowns that's guys on the, that, that's where the meat is on the other side of haha now who do you sell this book to we've got a comic store that's who do you recommend this book to outside of people who like ice cream man like what is this who is the demographic for this what do you think roman like someone comes in i'm just people curious. are looking for something a little a little different a little little bit experimental i mean not so much in format but in you know in theme and yeah just, um i think yeah people are looking for something different not your typical weird book not your superhero book yeah it's not twilight zone but it's not you know black mirror it's not it's i don't know it's a anyway I mean, this I, I would i would say haha fans or <laughs> ice cream man fans. yeah but ice cream man fans i'm just trying to think um, of outside of ice cream man fan like it's the obvious sidestep there but even that i'm sort of I mean, like horror yeah I, I mean they're they're all they're all some sort of horror even the one with the old lady is not a happy story necessarily you know it's it's uh it's a little bit sad and disturbing the, the way that that wrapped up i like it i'm just tr- i'm trying to think of like who's the audience you know like what is the i just people who are down to just sort of experiment i think that that's what it is it's like it's a pretty experimental six issue thing mm-hmm. that i wouldn't say is so different from ice cream man that it needed to exist i feel like some of these could have been repurposed ice cream man stories but also who am i to i'm not a creator so i love that this crossed over with ice cream man i had no idea it was going to happen and looking through the issue again i kind of suspect that every issue of ice cream man is represented in here in some way i I think so you got the little dementia demon crawling on the person oh and and they have uh 
the bartender, I think, is supposed to be Porky the Pig. How about um, the fact that they put oh, Joaquin it? Phoenix in it? As as the Joker. That's yeah. who oh okay. yeah. I, I was gonna ask you guys, this guy looks so familiar. <laughs> who is this? That He's scene is mine. That I like the page before that I was like, man, this feels like the movie The Joker. Okay. And then the next page was like, okay, they know that it's the Joker. <laughs> they even drew Joaquin Phoenix in here being that character. So all right. Yeah. yeah. I love the fact that they uh, of course included a, a Bud Hickey concert poster yeah i saw that too because i think i I don't know if i have no idea we haven't studied this but i want to say that there's a bud hickey reference like in every issue of of ice cream man yeah i think that's one of those like one of the first successful you know that one of the first six issues so like they kind of have repurposed that bit in there i love the yeah little dogs the dog surgeons yeah i i would say oh gosh i don't know as a whole, I don't think it's as dark as Ice Cream Man. This one's pretty dark, but at the same time, there's like a beauty to it. I think that the yeah. final meditation of this issue is that, and like, boy, howdy, you know, the first couple of times you take psychedelic drugs, you just walk away from it saying everything is one thing over and over again for several months. So <laughs> the fact that this was, and I was like, all right, yeah, I remember really resonating with that idea. What was, how do I, you know, but the way that they spell it out of just like, yeah, on the left side of my brain, I'm just seeing a burning, horrible, evil, depraved society destroying itself. But in my right side of my brain, I see this beautiful, beautiful world and everyone's helping each other and things are trying to just like, get through the problems. And it's this idea of what do you choose to see? And I think that that, you know, comics art as being a thing, you know, you're, for me, I read comics to try and help me hopefully have a healthier life is why I like it. I think they're a really helpful tool art in general is. And, and that is just the great reminder of like, yeah, it's how you choose to look at things. Like there's a lot of bad stuff, but there's a lot of really good stuff. And the days that I have really shitty days are the days where I'm focusing on the shitty stuff and not acknowledging that like, here are all these amazing things that are a part of my life. And in light of all that, do you think the, <clears throat> without necessarily spoiling things, though we may, um, do you think the end of this is very sad or just kind of bittersweet? Bittersweet it's- in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I thought it would like, I think it anytime that situation happens, I think it's sad, but I don't think that I was sad when I was done reading it. Hmm. If that makes sense, like it does. Yeah, I, I, I was really impressed that they could deal with something heavy and just kind of inherently a bummer in a way that that wasn't that. And I also think that it's sort of like the beauty of like, you you know like once the bell has been rung you cannot unring that bell I, but i do think that mm-hmm. oftentimes it is act like the consequence of action is realization and so i like i like that at the in the final moments of this episode this issue and what happens in it you know this person yeah you can't undo what causes you to have these realizations but to have gotten there and to be able to then impart that wisdom to somebody else i think is a really cool thing so we're speaking kind of vaguely about the end of this issue but i do I think anyone who hasn't read it um, should check it out because I, I think that even as a thing that stands alone, it's pretty great. I would read another six issues of this. He doesn't right. have to stop yeah. on my account. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So then, Roman, do you want to consult the score sheet? What did you have for it on there? I gave this one, haha, number six. I gave it a 9.5. It's, it's in 9.5. Yeah. I think I, think I will too. Yeah. 
I'm going to go 9.5 also. I was pretty scared to start it. They're all talking about antidepressants. I just started taking those. It's giving out bottles of it. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to fucking feel weird about this issue the whole time through. And I was pretty nervous about it. But, like, you know, they lovingly put you, W. Maxwell Prince lovingly puts you in his hands and carries you to the finish line. And it's he consistently does that with things. I just think he's a phenomenal writer. Joker number five. Now, what made me so happy about this book was forcing myself to flip around into the credits at the beginning of it because I was like, this looks like Frank Avia, but like the most rushed Frank Avia yeah, I've seen. Exactly the same thought. Ever. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the most rushed Frank Avia ever. So I had to look up the credits and then I was so happy to see that it was Matthew Rosenberg with James Tinney in the fourth. So Jimmy TIV listed as the secondary writer on it. And I, I think it makes sense. Like it is kind of a flashback story that kind of strengthens the overall Joker story that we've been reading in here. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting combination of people on the book. Yeah. And, and you're right on with the rush Frank Avia, but you know what rush Frank Avia is still better than most artists out there. It um, is. And it's weird. Like his rush kind of manifests itself in less shadows. Like he's drawing more lines here than he usually does. Um, and the yeah, I don't know. You that, know, you're that, totally right. Like the you know, look at these fa- pictures of Joker's face and stuff. There's a lot of light in this. Mm-hmm. There were Pete, and it it also harkened back to like the Scott Snyder, Frank Avia stuff from the Black Mirror storyline. Mm-hmm. Just because like he returned to that same color palette. Frank Avia does a like a, a variety of different color palettes, but the really stark orange hair of yeah. Gordon, um, and then like the the kind of like off yellow olive backgrounds behind that like in the atmosphere is something that he was doing in that Batman book and so it, it, I really loved the continuity it felt like there and it just was like damn Matt Rosenberg and Jimmy TIV or Matt Rose or whatever it is um they're in that uh this and Batman the detective which we'll talk about later they're both in that like Frank Miller type of Batman writing yeah um, Roman yeah. what what was what, what where did you where when did you hatch the egg I really, lo- I mean, I love this series anyway, but I really love this issue because I'm a sucker for, um, I mean, this isn't quite a police procedural, but I'm a sucker for cop stories where it shows, you know, your main cop protagonist basically throwing away his relationships and his family because he's so obsessed with doing, being a good cop and, and I just love, I mean, it's, I just love watching that. I don't know why. <laughs> well, we all know that you're a big fan of piles Throwing of cigarette away. butts growing over I the am. course oh, of yeah. time. And uh, that's, that. that's part of that story every time. Yeah. And, and they got a scene in here where Gordon's on the phone with, uh, what's his name? The brother of one of the inmates. Um, and I love the way Frank Avia drew that because it's your classic, like the page the page divider is the coiled oh, phone line because it's that a flashback, was, so it's a it's a landline. <laughs> and and a classic just, Frank Avia too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That was a yeah. good point out. And he's but talking even, to the the cannibals from the main series. So like that they're inserting the the I think it's the family. You're 100 percent right. Woman. I didn't realize that, but you're that we absolutely don't know. right. Yeah. 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 So like they're they're making these people old Gothamites. I didn't realize that. That's a really good catch. That that phone line division that Roman pointed out that is so good. Even that is the great example of like 
that's a pretty rushed Frank Cavia right there. Like those lines, there's not a lot of continuity in those lines. Like those, they kind of coil around each other and it's like, oh, those don't line up at all. It's like a very, I wonder what they were just like, dude, Francesco, can you get an issue out in two weeks? Like, what if we give yeah. you this much money? Will you do this? And he's like, okay, that, cool. That's probably what it is though. I think it kind of worked for a flashback, you know, cause that kind of rushed Frank Cavia also kind of lends itself to like in cinema like a sepia tone flashback or yeah things were a little fuzzy on the edges that kind of thing the joker's faces were kind of weird for me they felt like human or overly human or unfinished or something but i've got another take on it oh, okay and this would make me feel like an asshole but what if this is just the direction frank of is going yeah for sure yeah. like this this might not be rushed this just maybe he's tired of drawing everybody's face half in shadow yeah, I I would be curious. That's a really good point. And I, I think it's important to always kind of try and view things from that lens as well, because, you know, we've mentioned before, like artists get more proficient and they learn shortcuts and find ways to be more proficient, you know, uh, like Tim Sale, Darwin Cook, like lots of these folks. Uh, if, yeah, if that's the case, I'd like to see him 10 years from now. Like, I'd like to jump to what the end game of of this progression is. I bet if it's not rushed, it was an intentionally stylistic thing like it. Yeah. But, you know, Rowan, back to your point, um, I, you know, I like that you like that story. I like it, too. It's like it's I like it in the same way that I like depression. I don't like depression, but when you're sitting there feeling bad, it's more it's easier and more seductive to continue thinking about how bad things are than I'm to think about wall. things being good. So like watching this person like Jim at the end when James shows up and he's like, yeah, all right, fuck. I was supposed to come back for this anniversary and I bailed and the dinner is just spilt on the table. And it's just like, yeah, we got caught up in this story and, you know, forgot that you've totally abandoned, like you're just not a good husband. And I like you very much, but in that sadness there, like it's sad, but there's also this weird, like, I kind of like, mm, I want to suck yeah. the fat off those bones and I can't really figure it out. I don't know that I love it as much as you guys. Cause it, it does make me quite sad. Um, yeah, well, I like that. It, and it, you know, harkens back to just another because we all know that Jim, you know, Gordon's marriage fell apart and, and she left and everything. But I like the fact that it also isn't just that a flashback like, oh, yeah, here's another instance of, you know, Jim fucking up his marriage. But it goes so far that he not only his obsession with guarding this new this new bad guy, the Joker, um, it goes so far as that he also screws up and doesn't show up to join Harvey Dent and yeah. the cops. And that results in cops getting killed mm -hmm. and dead. And I mean, it's a huge fuck up on Jim's part. <laughs> so it really, yeah. I, I think that this issue was really well done and well paid, like placed in this story because it just functioned as this new story that we're all very aware of the intrinsic relationship that Batman and the Joker have, but Jim Gordon and the Joker also have this thing. They're galvanized, right? Like it, we can't really explain it, but it's an inescapable thing. He's obsessed with the Joker. And, and so, yeah, everything falls by the wayside. I, I want to talk about the Batman animated series long Halloween movie I just watched because oh, yeah. it kind of comes out of this, but I want to give our scores first. So does anybody have any finishing thoughts on this before we score it up? Just that the shifting timeline and multiverse of dc had its pants unzipped here when they mentioned that jim has two kids and red hair um i feel like barbara wasn't born until sarah 
like I, I feel like Sarah probably left him when Barbara was pregnant. And I might be wrong. There might be canon that that refutes that, but I don't see him with red hair and a baby Babs. I thought I thought Sarah I thought Sarah was Sarah S and his second. Sorry, you're yeah, you're right. Uh his his wife Barbara. Yeah, yeah so he's uh, with okay, wife yeah. wife Barbara here. Yeah. I I I I can't really say why, but something about the setting and the fact that he has more than one kid bugged me. Hmm. Um, but I would give it an eight and a half. Oh, uh, I gave it a I gave it a ten, which is only for the main story because I didn't read the punchline. Right. I'm gonna give it an that eight point was... five as well. I'm really in line with Django on that one. I, I think it's really great, and it's just I, I love Frank Avia and I love rosenberg and you know i like jimmy t on, on this book as well so who knows what the writing division was but i've been reading the backups guys yeah i, bet you I have know. a dirty confession to make i've been reading the backups this one had the most jarring art change sweeney boo she did that eat and love yourself book <laughs> didn't read it um it was like a graphic novel okay so what i thought was interesting in this book is that i just watched yesterday the batman the long halloween animated movie part one they divided into two movies and they did the same thing so spoilers for that i guess they did the same thing with that that they did with um gotham by gaslight which is they've changed the story fundamentally which is a crazy thing to do with what i think is like in my from my batman pantheon a top three batman book of all time um and it's it's really interesting they they've made like oh um two-face uh really unlikable before he becomes two-face because he becomes two-face in long halloween i'm blanking on his name harvey dent. harvey dent thank you Not i believe dent. in him um yeah he's like a bad guy he's aggro and kind of um yeah super aggro kind of like he was here and i think roman you're right he like gordon kind of stood him up and people died as a result of it but also at the same time i was like you know, Dent was, I don't know, there's the illusion that he was a positive character and then he like this, the, the fall from grace. But I feel like there's also this kind of shift that it's like, maybe he was always kind of a shitty person and, you know, the face thing uh, I, happened. I always like the idea that he he's bipolar, but always presents the positive side and hides the hides the evil side of him until he breaks. That's a great read. I've always kind of liked the read that like, he's what happens if Gotham defeats you and Batman mm-hmm. is not like Batman's the opposite of when Gotham doesn't defeat you, right. you know, like he's a good man changed by Gotham. Um, and anyway, it's really interesting. They kind of shift the whole story to make the first half of it be predominantly a Joker story because, you know, you're trying to sell money and long Halloween, I guess is a great mystery story that has all the villains in it, but doesn't have like a definitive big bad guy, you know, mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really interesting, interesting thing to look at. And I love kind of tracing the evolution of Batman, the animated series and the different animated DC movies. I try to keep up on most of those. I haven't watched part two yet, um, but it's, it was an interesting thing. The voice casting was really bizarre. They hired somebody that sounds just like Mark Hamill to be doing the voice for the Joker. We had to like look up the credits to see if it was even him because it, it sounded like him. So, and, and. Well, I was just gonna say it's one thing that I was reminded while watching it is that just because this has now become a slight animated movie review, Long Halloween is the most perfect fucking thing. Is every issue is like got that iconic cover and it's a different holiday and there's a time jump between each issue, 
but it's framed around the change of holidays. And when you try and take that story and change it into a linear, like a movie thing, you're deprived of those gaps. Mm-hmm. And it was an instance to me of like, wow, this is way better as a comic. Like yeah. things you know can go either way, but like the monthly nature of that story and the divisions that happen with it and time jumps that comics allow, like perfect. And then trying to adapt it really, you know, affected it in a weird way. I mean, looking forward to the second half just to see if they're going to even change it entirely. But um, interesting. Django, you were going to say something. Well, uh, when when you said that they changed it completely, are you saying that you already know who the killer isn't? No. Okay. No, like, and when I say change it completely, like, you know, that's an exaggeration, but it is fundamentally changed. Like in the comic, you get one issue with the Joker and he's like flying an airplane and destroying, you know, kind of disrupting right. a city. This is like, the whole first act of the movie is kind of a Joker story. And there's this huge framing device with like a big battle happens with Joker and it's built. He's got like, you know, a half hour of screen time and a climactic thing. And it's just, it's very, it's very different beat by beat. And they changed who the murderer was in Gotham by Gaslight, Mm -hmm. which is what allows me to think that they could be doing that here. And again, that's kind of a trend, right? Sweet, sweet tooth and walking dead and like, Often it improves my experience for the TV show or the movie. Yeah. So but, anyway, but yeah, huh? Interesting. I haven't watched part two yet. I'll give a review of that one because I do like them. Um, is it in the the Batman animated style or is it in the it definitely, DC animated style? It's kind of the DC animated style, mm-hmm. but the architecture of Gotham leans on that sort of Art Deco Gothic thing that the Batman animated okay. series really championed. And I, I, to me, that's my definitive, like, I love the view of Gotham from there. So they, they really do kind of put it in that place. And you can tell they've recast voice actors, but they're trying to hold on to Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill um, mm-hmm. tone. So very interesting stuff. Hmm. Thanks for letting me go on about that. Silver coin, boys. Silver Jeff Lemire coin. wrote this issue. And you know what I realized? I placed the orders. Whoa! I placed the orders uh, yesterday, the day before, for Silver Coin number five, and that one's written by Chip Zdarsky. Mm-hmm. And at this point, one, right? maybe at this point, Chip Zdarsky and Jeff Lemire are almost indistinguishable in my head <laughs> in terms of like their mainstream writing. Uh-huh. Um, like Chip Zdarsky and Jeff Lemire can write a DC book, and it kind of feels the same they both like pretty emotional darker than you think good but it's weird that like those very different trajectories have now become really in my mind i was like oh wow jeff lemire is writing two of these issues i was like wait no chips at darsky's writing the other one wow i think they're the same guy you just you you can't tell canadians apart is that what you're saying is oh my god you're right chips canadian (laughs) i'm a racist good lord i'm sorry everyone i'm working on it though i want to be a better person I really just want to talk about silver coin number four, you guys, because I didn't I didn't love it and I didn't really even like fully get it. I didn't get it. Right. My favorite guy in the world, Jay, is back on my radar, and I just want to make sure everyone <laughs> knows that I don't get it. Uh, re- refresh my memory because I don't have a copy in front of me. It's the one with the worms in the lady's eyes set in the year 2467. It's like a cyborg lady oh, yeah, yeah. who seems to be running from cops and she's running away and the cops or somebody is chasing her and then she falls down a hole and finds this kind of techno altar of somebody who died with a bunch of worms in him and he's got the coin in his hand 
and she picks it up and it says virus detected and it almost seems like it doesn't affect her maybe mm-hmm. and then she jacks into somebody's computer system or maybe it did affect her and she like kills somebody and then she ends up okay at the end and it just says virus detected over and over at the end and i, I didn't it didn't have all these issues have sort of had like a person meets the coin life becomes yeah. ruined by the coin loses the coin and they're worse because of it and this one almost didn't follow that flow in terms of the protagonist i was just curious if you all made more sense of it than i did i didn't make a lot more sense of it um but i, I actually thought that the fact that it didn't follow that same formula was a feature not a bug mm-hmm. uh like I, I liked that four issues in we're getting something that's not just the same pattern I yeah that's a good point I I would like more of that with this series I would just like to get it a little bit more I I forget what because she gets the coin and I forget what happens to her after that there's some baddies chasing her and they all have these goggles that are like there's robots that are chasing her and then those goggles are linked to a human being who's controlling them and so she like takes over the eyes of one of these robots or these goggles and then it affects the person that was controlling it i believe she she puts she puts a virus into the um like the surveillance system into the the police state because they're all so technologically kind of enhanced and and um so she's able to control the people who are oppressing the city basically so whether or not so the coin didn't really seem to affect well her or her actions well so actually yeah exactly her actions how much it was affected by the coin i think is questionable but what i actually just in django kind of letting me sit in a corner for three and a half seconds before i started barking at everyone again made me realize that like actually i really like this kind of take on the first three issues have been the coin is this magical thing you know Mm -hmm. and it costs a spell over somebody but in a future world, you know, it's that Arthur C. Clarke quote of magic, you know, technology, foreign, you know, indistinguishable Four, from one, magic. two, and three. Um, indistinguishable from magic thing. I like the idea that in the future, this horror magic thing, it's like a virus to technology. So technology, mm-hmm. the idea that technology would recognize magic as a virus, and then it could transmit through technology whereas like that's a cool idea this distinction between mysticism and what is mysticism to technology if not a virus or an anomalous thing i don't know that he stuck the landing on it though i think it could have been a lot more clear i think maybe three more pages would have been okay with me yeah Uh, like kill some of those house ads image let them let them go three more pages yeah yeah yeah, mark it up a buck i'll pay an extra buck four issues in fuck you guys yeah this was my uh the weakest issue of the series so far for me me too mm-hmm. me too which is surprising because yeah. it's jeff lemire but it's also kind of like when jeff lemire's not working on his own property he can be kind of middle of the road also when was the last time we saw a jeff lemire one shot that we really loved right like he does really good long form storytelling but i'm not convinced that he's got a short story in him that that's really stood out to me that's a good point that's a good point He's yeah. one of my very favorite writers, but I can't think of a, a short thing that I've dug. Yeah. Or I mean, I love the man. man. I love the man, <laughs> but. Um, scores, Roman, what was your, your lowest score for the series? What, what would you give this one? Uh, I gave it a six. 
Django called it. He held up six fingers while you were oh, looking at your paper. That was really good. I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to go 6.5. Uh, I'm going to split the diffy on that one. Oh, S the D. S the D. Jeff likes to S the D. You know, you know I do. Okay. This, this is, this is kind of a stretch, but I think, I think I should, I think this is an appropriate time to, to mention silver coin, right? Like we're thinking, it, it always makes me think of Judas. Mm -hmm. oh, right? Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause he's uh, the silver. Yeah. 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 And I don't know if you guys know this, but in the Bible, Jeremiah 233, the good news Bible version is you certainly know how to chase after lovers. Even the worst women can learn from you. There's a little 233 trivia for you there. Oh, uh, and, and, and that's the good news Bible. Uh, one of the Bibles just says like, you're a slut whores learn from you. So why did you pick the book of Jeremiah for that? Um, because a lot of the other books, 233, not nearly as interesting. Also, I've only committed Jeremiah to memory. Okay. I haven't, I haven't, uh, haven't got Ezekiel totally locked in my head brain yet. You don't have those like an early new Testament, like for God, so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son for those who, you know, believe That's not in from him. Jeremiah. I think yep. Rorschach 10 is next. God, <clears throat> Rorschach. We learned a lot in this goddamn issue. We learned a lot in an almost anticlimactic way. Well, it's not the climax. We got two more you're issues, right, buddy. You're right. You're right. You're right. Penultimate we, next time. We learned the how of most of this, right? Yeah, you're right. We haven't learned the why. Right. And the why is really what we care about. Um, this is this is like the procedural part of a police procedural. This is, you know. It, it and, and and I love the kind of the trickery that the detective does to get fingerprints. Um, gosh, it's it, yeah, this this should be a boring, boring, boring issue, but I really enjoyed the ride. What I think was really well done with this was that he explained what happened slowly and in a way that was this detective explaining it to somebody else like yeah like this person died there was like several candidates i found this person then i found out that they had died and then but then i found this tape he found out he kind of explained all these things that he discovered mm -hmm. and for my brain i was like okay i'm five or six pages into this i'm kind of lost now and then he like he did you know so that's what her tape said her confession to kill turley Myerson needed badges. Myerson asked Oates for the badges. Oates got the badges from Redford's people. Fortunately, Oates' secretary has made a call that saves Turley, breaks up the plan, gets Myerson killed. Like, so then, you know, Redford helped the attempted assassination of his opponent. Like, they, it, it was, it wasn't, hey, follow the type of storytelling I've laid out, and if you don't keep up with it, then you are out, you know, out of luck. It was, right. it, you know, I think he was it was aware of the fact that like it's a very stylized way of telling this story and I needed a little bit of help and he did it without making it feel over expositionally it felt like a mm -hmm. conversation between two people that were making sure they're both caught up to speed right before that page I was like okay wait wait who was this girl yeah what is this tape what is going on? and then I was like oh okay this is so they re-illustrated why it was all interesting um and I needed that and I thought it was really well done in in that regard and that right there is what 
I miss in Grant Morrison books a lot of times. Sure, sure. That's right? a great like, point. Like the recap and the the context for this specific conversation. Um, and I, I, just, I thought that this was really well done. Did you guys catch the Sheriff of Baghdad? Oh, yeah. Sheriff of Babylon thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even that, just the way he was portrayed standing there in that vest looked just like those issues. I, it made me yeah. want to reread that book so bad. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... I, you know, most of this is stuff that we could have kind of put together or doesn't super, super matter to the mystery. Right. Because, right? yeah, yeah, we don't because it's still I think the way you worded it actually at the beginning was really, really well done, which is just that we know the how and we don't know the why. So mm -hmm. all of this is like understanding the visage of something, but not understanding the core of it or something. I mean, Roman, what is, where are you at with this thing? I'm not sure. I mean, I'm a little at the end, by the end of this, I was, I was like, do I trust the detective? Is he like mm -hmm. part of the, the, uh, I don't want to say conspiracy, but is he, is he part of the overall whatever's going on behind the scenes here? I feel like, and this is just my own, I say shit wrong. If y'all remember the end game, like we went and recorded that podcast after, I was like, did they go back? Did they like go back to the Civil War timeline? That's so awesome. And you guys are like, no, that was like Avengers. Like I just choose <laughs> to see things how I want to see them. But to me, like this is kind of this idea of like the Rorschach entity is a virus and it's spreading. And it's an idea that gets planted within people. And then they become obsessed with it and believe in it. And and it causes people to do things and believe things and take logical leaps. So I think that ultimately the detective is going to like become a Rorschach person. Oh. And it, I think I think it's sort of like the more that you understand an idea, the more that it becomes you or you become that idea. <clears throat> so interesting. he's that's like interesting. That's it feels like kind of and I, I, don't, I don't I had that idea an issue or two ago and I don't think that it's probably because that's not a very satisfying story to tell i don't know but that's the only thing i can kind of project where it's going i like i like that idea for the detective because at the end here you know the last page what he does i was like okay why did he do that is he like now trying to frame the the head of security for for turley for turley i mean oh when he found well or it, is that is that turley or redford that's a redford guy isn't it yeah, it's a Redford guy. Yeah, I think. Or is it? No, is it, no, isn't it because the, he was hired by Turley? He's the head of security for Turley. The Turley. campaign yeah, yeah, where yeah. the assassination attempt didn't happen, but was supposed to. But he found in that safe that was buried, and he didn't mention. Right. He found money, but he didn't mention that he found a bottle. Yeah. That's and I wonder if he is. Pocket. Yeah, if he's trying to like, yeah, now match these fingerprints from this person he was just seeing. Yeah, that's what I couldn't tell if he's just trying to match fingerprints or if he's trying to plant evidence. <laughs> okay. I like the idea that at the end, we're going to find out that somebody is a Rorschach. Well, I like think he's going to- virus has infected somebody. Become one. I don't know that it's like been his motive, but- What if? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. He's, he'll have been infected with the virus, right? Yeah. And, and and he'll get to the, the point where he's believing that he's embodying Rorschach. A couple of things. I think Turley is definitely the bad guy and this guy's working for him, but not working for him. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yep. The guy's trying to solve the mystery on behalf of this guy, but he's not doing hired, it. but yeah. yeah, we haven't seen Redford yet. 
Right. What if Redford is a Rorschach? Okay. So what if when he's not doing a public thing, he's all Frank Millard out in his Rorschach outfit? So yeah, that's a cool idea. I wonder then why those Rorschachs would want to kill him. They don't know. They wanted to kill Turley. Turley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That keep the the background political machinations are the thing that I kind of keep forgetting about as I'm reading this. And that's the hardest part for me to keep. Redford's blue. Yeah. Yeah. Turley's Turley's Trump. Yeah. I mean, and and Rorschach is QAnon. And we don't know why this person who was working for redford the person that went to go give them the badges why he got killed and that's i think a pretty important part still uh, oats yeah oats yeah thank you yeah the, yeah fight of the badge but yeah i just i think it's a really we've just seen time and time again seemingly reasonable people start like choosing to believe in this idea because they like the person that's telling them the idea like down mm-hmm. to the strong man with the girl the yep. girl with her father over and over again it's kind of happened with these different people um the miller character the myerson himself yeah i just i don't know i don't i don't know it's it's like william burroughs says word is the virus right well an idea you know like you know, virus is yeah kind of a unelegant way for me to address but yeah just like the the influence of idea you know like mm-hmm. people it's very easy to cause people to believe what you want them to believe i think yeah yeah i think oats was killed now the now the girl shot Oates, right? And it looks like he he shot her so. and she shot him. Yeah, we don't really know the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, I kind of feel like Oates was shot simply to leave a body there to be found eventually to tie things to Redford. Oh, that that makes sense. Because they know. want to tie things to Redford. Well, whoever's behind this, They're like. <laughs> I, th- I think Rorschach would be pro Turley. Yeah. Right. Tough on crime. But didn't they go to assassinate Turley? They went to assassinate. They went to assassinate Turley to, uh, but also to make it look like Redford wanted to assassinate Turley. Yeah. Oh, right. So oh, okay. I think so he had that dead body. He was working for Redford, tie the body there to make it look like Redford was trying to assassinate. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Roman. That was, that yeah. was, I needed that extra help there, but you're right. That that's, wipes that's out my idea. idea of Redford being a Rorschach, but. Um, you know, whatever. Man, there's there's somebody. There's like Mitch McConnell is the one behind behind all this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's get some scores on that. Actually, that one was nourished by talking to the two of you. That's a great example of a book that is like you know weekly episodic television, where like when you get that week to chew on a thing, it just makes it better, right? Mm-hmm. That that this book to me, I can read it. And I finished and I was like, that was pretty good. But now talking to you guys, I'm like, oh, okay, I understand. Or I think I understand political stuff and motivations of characters in a way that makes it even more rewarding. You guys want to read, uh, you want to read nine. Omega Men issue by issue and discuss it so that I don't think it's the worst thing Tom King wrote. <laughs> <laughs> you say yeah, nine? I do think it's possible that some book has to be the worst thing he's written, right? It can still be great, sure. but something has to be the worst thing they've written. I can't make it past issue five or so. I'd do a, I'd, that would be a fun after Batman in quarantine, just like three buddies who want to like something that they haven't been able to like so far. <laughs> so they figure if they all get together and read 12 issues weekly, they can hopefully that, that, plumb that, some enjoyment out of it. That would be fun, but I have, I have read it and I liked it. 
it, but yeah, it's I didn't like it as much as like everything else I've read by Tom King. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it. You gave it a nine, Jeff. I'm gonna go nine. I I'm gonna go nine. Part of me is almost pushed for like 9.5 because this conversation has just made me like really think about the amount of craft going into it. I think the amount of craft is really impressive. Okay, but you're allowed to dock it for the craft not presenting itself in a digestible way until you have a 20 minute conversation about a thing. I right? but I choose to prefer things that require that from me. Like I like sure. Like, you know, I love Tool because those albums unfold over 25 listens rather than mm-hmm. the first time I listened to it. So I, I don't I don't know. Like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it wasn't on the surface. If I didn't have a friend and community outlet to be able to talk about these things, I would probably rate it lower. <laughs> but because I've surrounded myself with people that provide me with a fast moving car to enjoyment, um, I will I will lean on those things. Well, I'm going to go a nine and a half. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with nine because I'm afraid to say nine and a half after how big you just swang that dong around. But it was, you know, nine, nine point five. I'm, I'm there in the conversation for sure. Oh, God. Well, I'd, I had written down nine point five, but, you know, I could also go ten. I could go either way. God, see, and this is the thing that art in a vacuum I don't know. I bet there are people who get a, a huge amount out of engaging in their art in a vacuum, but I'm just always impressed by how much more I like things after talking to people about them. It's a, it's a cool it's a cool part of art. Okay, so now that we're here and back and doing it, and we had a whole middle part there where <laughs> you heard it in the intro, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, we've got Batman the Detective left to talk about. We also got to talk about Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. Don't we have to talk about something from Marvel? I thought we were I'm gonna way of X. Yeah, we have Thor. Thor. Okay, yeah. So let's just do. Little, let's do. Hey, Roman, back to back Marvel, real quickly here. Thor 15. This was uh, Donny Cates, and the thing that I actually, I guess, mostly wanted to point out about this particular issue was that the art was not by one of the the people who's been doing the book for the most part. And this is me sort of uh, vamping time to find uh, the credits page because it's not the first page. It's not the last page. I've done it now. It's Michael Bandini, an artist I didn't hadn't heard of. And what I loved about their art is that some of it is not great. There's some faces. The facial work is not great, but the like double page spreads and the action shots like the the piece or the celestial is like reaching out in the snow on this full page spread or there's a great avengers battle scene that's a double page spread and it like pulled me out of the story it was so great and i was like whoa where did this guy start with this picture like this is a double page spread of the whole avengers fighting and it sprawls every corner of well there's only four but all four corners of this squared piece of paper um I just I thought I was really impressed by the art and I also of course am loving the story but it was just great to get like oh this is a fill-in artist and sometimes it feels kind of fill-in-y but it's also uh gorgeous there's some really gorgeous stuff in it also I guess I love snow and comics Roman what do you think of Thor it was it was really good and you know um my favorite thing in it was how Thor shows up during an Avengers battle and, and he's just like kind of ignores the battle and he's just like Captain America, we have to talk. I have to talk to you. And they're all like, um, can you help us here? And he's just like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and calls down the lightning and stops the battle because he defeats everybody without even thinking about it or looking at it. Although I was weirded out because then Tony was like, let me put my hand on your shoulder. Like, whoa, Thor. And then like Thor, like, you know, zaps his arm and then 
Captain America's like, whoa, Thor, we don't do that. And I'm like, what? You don't fucking tell. Like, Captain America, all he's doing is buzzing Tony, who could use to be taken down a peg or two at any given moment. Like, why the fuck? Yeah, do- and Tony, over the last few months, Tony deserves that. But but I did like the fact that Captain America is the only person that could tell Thor that. <laughs> right. And then I, I love that he's like, Cap, can we go talk? And then, like... Cap's like, well, just a second. We gotta clean this shit up. And he's like, no, we gotta go talk. He's like, all right, cool. Well, did you just hurt Tony? And then Mjolnir, just like without Thor's will, attacks Captain America. And I love that Captain America's just like, Thor, you just hit me. He's like, <laughs> I know. I'm trying to tell you, my hammer's being a very bad boy. We have to go talk. And he's like, yeah. okay, well, let's go talk. And they had a great. That was my favorite thing in the issue. They have a great conversation and just, and you get a glimpse because Thor is telling him how, you know, I'm immortal. So like that battle we had in, you know, Avengers a couple issues ago. To me, that's already faded from my memory because I have a different perspective on time because I'm immortal and Cap's a little, can understand a little bit because he was frozen for however many decades it now is in the sliding timeline. Right. But, but I really liked the, just that conversation and a glimpse into the way Thor's perceptions of even his closest friends is so not human. And I love when they use Captain America as like that Superman role of just like, Mm -hmm. here's somebody that even Thor, even these any hero, that's still somebody that they turn to to talk to. I like when we're reminded of that. Um, Roman, is this is this the first time that Mjolnir has expressed a will or like a sentience? No, because it did with um, with Jane Foster when she had the hammer. Okay, so it was in the driver's seat sometimes with her. Yeah, I mean, both okay. both written by Jason Aaron, so that's been his idea all along that he well, induced. I mean, we've got Beta Ray Bill right now is also his his ship has like a new body yeah. and, and a yeah. different kind of intelligence than it did before. What I like about this thing and what it kind of explains at the end there is that it's not necessarily that Mjolnir has this consciousness of its own that's trying to do its own thing, but it's that that hammer was made to be the primary weapon for kind of the quote-unquote spear of uh of asgard that uh, was midgard and okay. atlantis were the words that were coming to my head. <laughs> um but and he's like well now i'm the king of <clears throat> asgard and i'm no longer the warrior of asgard so it doesn't oh, really okay. want me and I, yeah. I, I like that idea as well i did too i really liked him uh for bringing that up to captain america because they're both such you know strategic characters so you often don't think of Thor that way, but yeah, his point, Jingle, is that as the king, he's now not the tip of the spear of mm-hmm. Asgard's defense, and Mjolnir is supposed to be the weapon of that tip of the spear. And so now that the enchantment is working against Thor because it's the hammer's like confused, basically. He's a he's a delegate Thor. Yeah. Um so Roman, let's get a score from each of us, and then we're gonna email from Andrew to talk to about. Oh, uh, Andrew. I'm gonna- I'm going to give that one an 8.5. I really liked it. I think the art was fantastic. Didn't blow my hair back, but I thought there was a great conversation in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I gave it a 9.5. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Um, Andrew Fott says, hey, guys, I had quite the gooey revelation when listening to last week's episode. If Roman averages 20. Yeah, gooey revelation is a tough one. Andrew. If Roman (laughs) averages reading 24 comics a week, let's assume at least 12 of them are ongoing. That means Roman is keeping at least 48 different ongoing storylines in his head each month. 
I would say he's not keeping them in his head because while I love Roman very much, <laughs> uh, he doesn't have the books in front of him and doesn't remember what's happened. Um, <laughs> even more, if you include one shots or issues, I have the most respect for Roman of anyone in my life. He's my favorite person. That's absolutely insane. I agree. That's why he's on this podcast. As someone who feels like he already has a massive pull list that struggles to keep all the stories straight, how do you do it, Rome Doggy? Rome, how do you do it? I rely on a lot of you guys reminding me what happened in the stories. Like, I don't have that issue of Thor in front of me, but I remembered the conversation. Um, and you filled in the rest. And so now, of, yeah, please, no, please. And some of, you know, some of it, the more invested I am, of course, in the character. Like I have no problem in remembering Immortal Hulk stuff or green. Yeah. Or green. <laughs> um, so some of it sticks in there, and, but like everybody, you know, it's, it's the same with, there's also all these movies and series and TV shows and other books and things. It's all kind of jumbling. I do worry that someday I'll just hit like instantly hit like a wall or something and everything in my head will just like all of a sudden fritz out like an electrical wire burning in half and then i won't know anything i'll just be in full-blown dementia no because because people who have dementia like people will go and visit them and they won't remember who's visiting them or seeing them but like if you start singing to someone with dementia they can start singing along with you like my mom hmm. goes to hospitals and visit people with dementia and will sing to them and they'll they'll sing with her um I think that's like you in comic books. You'll be like, I don't know who you are, long-haired, big-mouthed, horsey-looking boy who's yelling at me, but I can... Oh, you're talking about Captain America? Yeah, 136. That's absolutely... Like, you know, you'll always... You start reading me Captain America 233, and I'll be like, like oh, yeah. Yeah, I love this story, strange horse boy. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm really glad you? to hear that you don't remember the stories week to week because I was honestly starting to worry that when it seemed like you were interested in what anyone was saying you were just reciting storylines in your head and not <laughs> not intaking anything at all but it's good it's good to know that you actually are interested in everything we say so oh, now yeah. for the real question for all y'all within the oh. last several weeks you have mentioned things like for jimmy tiv that's a 10 or that's an a plus for duggan but like a b plus hickman so do you think you alter scores based on the writing and artist like if you're expecting something really high concept from hickman and it's not a high concept how does that affect the score i suppose i'm curious with what is to each of you the base score most comics receive like if a comic Seven. was perfectly acceptable to you what would you give it? Is it a five and you add or subtract based on experience? Does it start at 10 and lose points? What makes you arrive at that score? Lots of score focused discussion as per usual. Sorry about that. Hope you get some cool conversation on this. Love you, Andrew. Um, a great question. I, I think I've been the one most actively saying things like, oh, that's like a, you know, uh, A minus Hickman or B plus Hickman is like an A plus Duggan or like a Jimmy TIV, you know. And, and for me, I, I try to be pretty open about the fact that like Morrison Hickman, you know, I, I, I feel like I address it on here pretty often. Like I, I give those guys a ton of leeway, like their body of work means that when I'm kind of lost in a story, I build up anticipation for the moment of understanding. And it's sort of like that journey when I trust that the, the Sherpa guiding me is going to get me there. I enjoy the journey much more. If I don't trust the person guiding me, and I think we're lost the whole time. I'm worried that we're lost the whole time. Um, so, so that's kind of that thing. It's, it's, uh, I, I don't think it's great for being really, really objective, but I also think that when talking about art, I could be really objective, 
but I think that's way less meaningful than also letting the subjectivity of my experience with art come into it. And I think the most beneficial thing about this podcast is like, well, Jeff gave that a nine because he fucking loves Hickman. Roman, or sorry, Django's not a huge Hickman fan. He gave it a six. And and like it allows the listener to kind of weigh those things in a different way. To me, it's almost mm-hmm. like it means more to the listener in terms of what they weigh. And I think that like, I probably try to be objective more than I should because letting that subjectivity in there, um, you know, kind of illustrates that I don't necessarily think I know what is great because I believe I don't know what is great, but I also try to believe what I think is good is good. So that's- well, there, I mean, there are times where we read something and it's absolutely not to our taste and we kind of have to hedge our scores with, I give it a low score, but somebody is going to give it a high score. You know, like there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. And and I think Hickman or Morrison is a really good example of that, where I can tell that they're good at what they're doing, but like to bring it back to them, Jeff, you still haven't gone. You, you still haven't let your Sherpa take you on the sea guys journey. Well, and I'm also like, even kind of going back to the part about Roman um, and the amount of comics that he's reading, like, um, I've read a, like, I'm pretty aware of what other people think about Sea Guy. I'm pretty mm-hmm. aware of the people that love the Morrison books that I love having informed opinions about Sea Guy and me being like, okay, it's okay for me to miss that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I, working in a comic shop and putting a lot of importance on myself to try and read books that I don't even necessarily love or even don't even think I'll like because I want to be informed about it on a Wednesday conversation. Mm-hmm to do that i have to drop certain things like i have to not read certain things so at some point i be, i made peace with not reading stuff that wasn't immediately exciting to me and and I'll get you the issues you can and i just if if a lot of people are like this but even if i haven't read something i'm pretty i like to be informed about things so i also mm-hmm. can talk quite a bit about things i haven't necessarily read because i'm pretty good at understanding people who then talk about it um I would say my scores are just nonsense. Like, don't trust anything I say. It's oh, yeah. For how, sure. it's, it's how I felt the moment that we were talking about it at the level of intoxication I was at right then. The one thing that I stand by is that 8.5 is the dividing line between something being very good to me and something being anything below that. You know, like six mm-hmm. is six or seven is probably a very good comic. Five to me is like, I didn't like this at all, but I really respect that somebody made a comic and below that is real bad. 8.5 is that dividing line of like, if it's an 8.5 or higher, it really tickled me in some regard. It yeah. really, I think that it's a really good comic. Um, and and I would I would say an eight is probably where, where I, my break point is. But I love Roman's mm-hmm. scores, I think are the most like, I think that if you want it, if I, you know, like Django said, it's all kind of bullshit for mine and his scales. But I think Roman's scales are probably, you know, if we need to define a metric, those are probably the most consistent that there is on our podcast. Yeah, I I wonder if they are, because there's there's definitely, you know, always um, a lot of subjectivity in any kind of, you know, grading of art, um, you know, beyond just the technical aspects of it. But for yeah, for me, definitely since it's a ten point scale, five is my middle ground. Anything below five is pretty bad. Every anything above five is the higher degrees of good. Um, 
and but there's and there's and there is stuff in there like I was just talking about to Andrew this morning about um my scores on Amazing Spider-Man by Nick Spencer and you know for somebody else I mean part of it I think is I'm kind of jaded with Spider-Man because I've been reading Spider-Man since 1976 <laughs> so Nick Spencer's run feels to me like that's eh, more of the same that's been done over and over and over and over it's about to end yeah but somebody else who's you know new to spider-man in the last few years or this month or whatever it may be great mm -hmm. and i agree with that like that five mark of like it's probably you know like five is neutral and below that is hard but i have a really hard time rating things below five because i don't believe that things are bad unless they made it a comic I think that like the only thing that really registers as bad to me is when it feels like something is done as a clear hollow cash grab. Like there's just no, it, you know, I just did that. Like, you can kind of feel that at times, but even that is you're a fool to assume that at times. Like, I don't know. I just Garfield grumpy cat. There's been things that I love in my life now that I thought were bad 10 years ago. So like, I just, I think, for me and my scores, the reason they're pretty much always five and above is like, don't say bad shit about stuff because you're probably going to find good stuff about it later if you actually choose to look at it. You know, we started this podcast partly inspired by another podcast that does uh, an amount of ratings, right? Ratings. Ratings. Um, a podcast that I listen to a whole lot is The Weekly Planet. It's a couple of Australian guys and they talk about movies, red hot comic book movie news, shooting up your butthole is their theme song. And their rating scale is best movie ever or worst movie ever. And for me, anything above a seven is best movie ever. And then I'm just turning up the volume for best, best comic ever, depending on how high this, how high my score goes and anything under a seven is worst comic ever and turning down the volume on how loud I want to say that. But yeah, I mean, and to that point, I think that the score is mostly just a way of putting a period on the sentence of just like, yeah, I liked this. I liked this a lot. Yeah. I liked this very, very much. Or it was fun. You know, like, it's just a sort of way of pretending to summarize our conversation and get out of it. But in reality, like, I don't even think about my scores until I get in here and talk to you guys. Um, but I know the yeah. books that I'm excited to read. And I know the books that I'm not excited to read. So like... I love that Roman has kept up with uh, the the idea we had a few weeks ago of, and we're of putting that, tracking it as we read them. I think when someone is reading that many stories, and I think they're pretty consistent, although for a while Roman was saying that his 10 is the one book that was the best, but then that was immediately disproven when we looked back at his <laughs> scores and we looked at his multiple, like that was, he doesn't understand his scoring, but I do think yeah, that it's consistent. Thought, that's how I thought it worked. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah, anyway, that's, but, that's, but yeah, Spots actually has been, I've been sending him my weekly scores, which there's been four weeks now, and he's building them into spreadsheets and figuring out some kind of. So he, we loves, need to make... he loves data crunching and yeah. all that. So graphs. he's crunching. He's yeah, he's creating graphs. Cool, and he's got to get in touch with Django to make sure that's on the website. Um, that took a little bit longer than I thought. So let's just Way of X had some great conversations in it, and I really like it. Spurrier and Bob Q. I'm going to give that one. And eight. I didn't think it was as good as the last one, but I still thought there were some really good conversations in it. Why do you think Bob Q is going by Bob Quinn instead of Bob Q? Uh, Marvel versus Dynamite. Dynamite's a place that has had a lot of troubles lately. I think he's probably trying to separate himself. Ah, I, I like it. I don't know who this guy is. He did the um, art in that Lone Ranger series, Bob Q. Okay. <laughs> that we read, Mark Russell 
Oh yeah, I read Lone it. Ranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I drew I a picture of the shadow for me. I just start, didn't, didn't remember him. You know, I also gave this issue an eight. Um, same thing. Not quite as good as the previous one, but had a great conversation with between Chuck X and his son. And top five of the X-Men books coming out, right? Maybe top three. Oh, yeah. 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 Top three, I think. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Well, then let's get into Batman the Detective. I started this this week. This is Tom Taylor and Adam Kubert. Andy Kubert. It's a Kubert kid. Uh, Andy. Um, Bob. And Bob Kubert. I started that this this week, I think at least two times, maybe three times, Django and I interacted and he was like, that is a good comic. And I loved that. <laughs> I loved that because it wasn't, this is an amazing comic. It wasn't, this is my favorite comic. It was just like, man, this is a good comic. And I, I finished this issue and I would just like, totally agree with you. Like, man, this is a good comic. Um, it's everything I love about comics. Including like somebody who's drawing as if he's Joe Casada from when I first got into comics. I think the art's fantastic, and it's it's hard because he did the art in Batman Dark Knight Master Race, mm -hmm. so it has a Frank Miller tone to it. But I feel like the writing really leans. I feel like this is the book that exists between modern continuity and Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, I feel 100%. like this is kind of meant to be that. So it's it's it feels like that Bruce Wayne. Just that first page the, the the main panel on the first page where you see all the scars on his knuckles the scars on the knuckles is such a good uh addition to this whole issue and you're thinking like are these cops fucking morons to not know he's batman look at this rich <laughs> asshole's knuckles you can yeah. tell yeah and and just like the the way that they the way he shows bruce getting sick from the poison that he's been dosed with Ugh, and the realization there. And yeah. And like his, his sweat starts dripping in a super cartoony way, but it's, it's just so fitting for the art. Well, and, it, and yeah. And then also like when the fucking it's a mobile bat cave shows up, like that <laughs> is a dark Knight returns thing. You know, yeah. he's got the mobile bank tank bat cave and that's what this is. So it feels like it really is kind of leading into it really feels like it's kind of anchoring itself there and i think Gosh, that's a really I cool thing of that. i love that idea yeah i love the fact that it's it folk it's kind of especially in this issue focusing on detective skills mm -hmm. but also the fact it shows that the french detectives in this instance were the better detectives and bruce kind of fucked up <laughs> Well, I, but I loved his line of like, sometimes the best answers are listening to other people's questions. Like there's yeah. the most, like, like, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the last issue, you're like, oh, Batman got caught. And you're like, that seems lame. And then like, we're like, oh no, he meant to do it at the very beginning of this. Like, okay, that's a little bit lame. But the way they explain it as like, are you talking about the French detectives being the people interrogating him? Yeah, being interrogating him. And, yeah. and just the fact that one of the even says that, I think it's one of them that says that, well, Batman never would have drank the water and the panel yeah. Bruce Bruce's looks at the water like, oh shit. And that's right. that moment where you're like, this is this is not Dark Knight Returns, but this is not our Batman. Like he's getting older. He's yeah. letting himself drink a little champagne now again. He's, this would not be a good death. So this issue just reminded me of something that I wanted to add about that long Halloween story, which kind of made me think about a, a sort of meta thing about Batman currently, which is I think the last like 10 or 15 years of Batman comics as I've been reading them have been very focused on Batman having bad guys and and like, you know, well, this 12 issue story is Joker or this 12 issue story is the Mad Hatter. 
Mm-hmm. And while I was watching this long Halloween animated series, I was thinking about reading long Halloween and, and comics from that time. And I'm sad that we don't have so much sad's an extreme word, but I prefer this time when it's almost as if Batman's main villain are the crime families of Gotham. Like, mm-hmm. like these built up families and you understand the father and then the sons and then the siblings there and then Nightwing kind of has that like, you know, blood, blood Haven still has that but we're so focused on these 12 issue stories that you can sell in a paperback to somebody for 10 years that we're not really building this world of like Batman at war with crime in Gotham and so much of that is rooted in the choice of criminals to proliferate crime through you know gang activity or crime activity Mm -hmm. it just it seems like a thing that's been missing lately for me or in my modern day comic experience because i think it says a lot more about batman's relationship with the city of gotham rather than his just relationship with the criminals that are like the super villains that are in it so you want a haha or a silver coin for batman I that's I don't I I bet there's a lot of truth to what you just said, but I would need to get into it and <laughs> and I don't want to have four minutes of radio silence. So I want I want that I want that sort of feeling that Gotham is a lived place. And it, mm-hmm. it felt like like the people and the crime families and the way that normal people live around Batman and the, the way that Batman has to be because Gotham isn't Gotham just because the Joker's in Gotham. Right. Gotham is Gotham because it's a city ruled by weeds instead of the plants that are supposed to be growing there. So, you know, when you're dealing with Falcones and the Roman and all these, not not our Roman, who's just an imbulite of all the bad bad Roman, the the real bad Roman, the real bad Roman. Man, I say the word imbulite sometimes and Roman was like, what is that word? And I realized that it's not a word and I don't know what it means. (laughs) <laughs> I tried to look it up when he asked that the other day. I was like, it's a word that I feel like Justin said, and uh, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. I tried to like, there's no autocorrect that was trying to find the word that I wanted to find. So what I'll change it to is the epitome. Roman's the epitome of uh, a positivity and wonder. But um, but yeah, it's, I just want more of that. I don't know. Does that make sense? Is that like the it Frank does. Millers and the Jeff Loeb's and the people who were writing these sort of lived in worlds that Batman could be taken out of? And they mm-hmm. would still exist. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's like the Gotham Knights series that was out, right? And and like they haven't they haven't done this in years that I can think of where they have a Batman story that's just about Batman doing things without some larger storyline that has to connect all the issues. I, and I think it's almost a byproduct of the fact that like that happens when you let a writer tell a story for three years and they could be planting seeds for stuff in the background like you couldn't Mm -hmm. just be like oh it's the gang members like you really need to build those things up and give them a sense of importance but like when i first started reading comics like alan grant and norm brayfogle and jim Mm -hmm. apero like that era of batman was one to three issue story arcs Mm -hmm. sometimes you would read it i think batman and detective were monthly but you could read batman and then the next chapter is in detective and then the third chapter is in batman and it was like because trade paperbacks weren't a thing yet they were trying to figure out how to maximize the number of issues that they could sell like like how do we make this a sustainable business model with these stories 
in a time where it was really easy to totally miss an issue. And so I think it is like corporate corporate mandates that give us these types of stories. I would love to see some sort of anthology. And maybe that's kind of what the Legends of the Dark Knight is going to be, because it's going to be yeah. different creators every few issues, right? And unfortunately, the first two issues that they've done have been okay, but not really any better than that. So hopefully they get some badass story arcs out of that before they cancel it. That's a good point. It's almost like what Batman Eternal could have been or something like a weekly Batman series, mm -hmm. like where maybe we're just if, if we're really anchoring large scale stories in a weekly thing that is built to build the stories from the ground. Anyway, that just a thought. I, I just made me realize this week kind of things I've been missing on Batman stories. But this Tom Taylor Batman, the detective is, is great. And I'm excited to sort of the cliffhanger of this is calling the activate the European Alliance of the Bat. And it's almost just like almost <laughs> Batman Incorporated style yeah. idea. Yeah, that was exciting. I hope we get to see. I wonder if like uh, the parkour Batman or anybody's oh, going to yeah, show up. Oh yeah, Night Runner. Yeah, I just love the art. The art it's is so really, good. really good. I really like. I really like it. And I before this series, I was. I think if you had asked me how I feel about Andy Kubert, I would have said on the fence. And I'm. I'm remind. No, I really like Andy and Adam Kubert. I think they're both amazing oh, artists. So we should probably give a shout out to Sandra Hope, who's inking this. There's okay. not a lot of anchors in the world anymore compared to the the 90s. It's true. Um, and so this is Andy Kubert with Sandra Hope. This does not look like the Andy Kubert from the Master Race book. I would. I thought it looked very much like that. I think. I think that that's a lot simpler, and maybe that has more to do with the colors than than the inks. But... I need. To, I haven't looked at it since I read the original as it was yeah. coming out. But I, I've been trying not to just correlate artists with other artists but this just jumps out as my favorite parts of Rousseau and Casada. Mm. like and I, I like both of those guys but they don't always nail it for me anymore and this I, is like both of them nailing it at the I, same time I definitely see the Rousseau in there for sure like Roman as a little on his knees badger god we gotta take that out <laughs> no, both no, of them nailing him at the same time <laughs> Oh, because they were nailing it at the same time. Yeah. Okay, I was just like yeah. nailing it in the same way that Roman does if he's if he's a little badger. I'm probably still not going to cut it out because it didn't oh, seem inappropriate shit. to me. Um, Roman, we kind of bloviated a bit there. Was there anything you wanted to add about Batman the Detective number four? I love that word bloviated. Um, yeah, I bet you do, you old badger man. <laughs> um, <laughs> if everything's inappropriate with him, nothing's inappropriate with him pig man <laughs> no i was trying to make a badger noise oh it, yeah yeah but i definitely. haven't like i haven't talked with a badger in quite a while so i don't know what they talk like um where's my score for that i'm just thinking about him talking to his lap <laughs> oh i gave it a nine i really i really like the issue too and yeah i love that i think like jeff i think it's a a subtle link to the dark knight world especially when yeah the bat the part of the mobile bat cave shows up i give it a nine Me i give too. it a nine yeah same this, tom taylor is fucking good you guys yeah he is. he's australian man is he really yeah tom tyler yeah well, well, Crikey, that's a big you that's not a comic book this is a comic book <laughs> obviously they should give him a, a new series and have him 
like revamp the Tasmanian devil and do something with him. Because of course he can, because he's Australian. Hey, Django. Oh my God, Django, that's right. We almost forgot, you know, we just gave three nines, three number nines. Number oh, nine, number nine, number nine, number nine. Cool. Number nine. Number Everyone nine. I love, everyone I love does this to me. <laughs> One day someone's going to actually play the song for me. One day um, we're just going to get you a vinyl of it so you can listen to him say Paul is dead. Oh, <laughs> number nine. In the wind. Um, so, okay. Okay. So that was our, that was our discussion. Okay. Um, I thought the final episode of Loki was quite good. I thought the middle whole chunk of that series kind of languished, but I really liked what they did at the end. I like spoilers Kang. I like who they cast as Kang and I was on the fence about how much I liked him until what they did at the end. And then it allowed me to be like, okay, I like that even more because it's not the Kang that I was hoping it was going to be. And And now they can kind of do anything with him, right? And I'm hoping they're going to now bring the Kang that I want into the right. Kang world. Um, I slept through most of that conversation, so I wasn't even 100% <laughs> sure it was Kang until I Googled it afterwards. Yeah. Uh, Roman, yeah. did you like it? I did. And at first, you know, I didn't like, I can't, well, I can't say I didn't like his Kang, but at first I didn't like it because um, it was too charming and jokey. Yeah. And I was like, we already have a car- charming and jokey Loki. Yeah. I want like, monomaniacal tyrant totally serious kang but because of the premise of the show we can get that kang exactly we have this new kang and and even in the comics in these storylines like they had the council of cross time kangs which i'm sure is going to play into loki season two and is that was yeah sorry Django. yeah this is you were going to say something smart i was just going to say can you get a tv show cgc for like the first appearance of Kang in a Marvel TV show. That's like a good you, idea. You were going to say something probably worthwhile. I was just, No, I don't remember it. That was like fart joke adjacent. And I apologize <laughs> to our listeners. No, no. And to my good. co-hosts. I, I like the idea. I like the idea. Um, yeah, Kang, that, that, all thing, that whole thing happened. I think it was the weakest of the three TV shows. Although I thought it had the best first episode. I think the sixth episode was very good. Can I get a ranking of the three television shows from everyone? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. WandaVision, Doctor Who, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, WandaVision is still top. And then probably Loki, just because I like Tom Hiddleston so damn much. He's awesome. Oh, right. I meant, I meant Loki. Oh, we know. <laughs> Do- the, Loki, the Loki Doctor. Doctor <laughs> 15. <laughs> I think I'm going to go Falcon, Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki, I think if WandaVision had had a better final three episodes, it would be higher for me. Mm-hmm. I think if Loki had had a better middle chunk of episodes, it would be better for me. But I think Falcon Winter Soldier ended really strong. Like the, you know, the, I don't know. I mean, every, I mean, everything Marvel's done, TV and movies, still can't come close to, you know, the Howard the Duck movie from the 80s. So, and we also like, all like, saw. But they keep trying black and black widow but we won't talk about that yet we gotta because we gotta get out of here we gotta get out of here everyone yeah i mean if i were gonna rank roman hasn't sorry sorry oh right you gotta see it before we can talk about it if if i were gonna rank all the marvel movies okay so we'll not do that we'll do a different thing (laughs) no no no, i I was gonna say they would all be ranked as a chunk against all the other movies in the world all of the marvel movies and all of the marvel tv shows would have their own strata like i don't think 
there's maybe one or two that would deviate outside of that. But I think that they're just one big thing for me. I think that's a fair that's a fair viewpoint. Yeah, you can drop us a line. Sebastian Stan's face. <laughs> I don't like Loki. Everything they say oh, is a lie. Oh. It's just mm-hmm. I, I like Tom Hiddleston, but it's just like you wasted three episodes with two liars lying to each other. I I could not. <laughs> I can't bear somebody saying trust me again. I don't. I don't. No one can trust anyone here. Stop trying to make that a plot point. Your character is that you can't be trusted. I don't fucking care. Do something that means something. Science um, magic holes in the sky. At least they got that. You can drop a line at info at the comic. No, fuck that. You can't do that. You can drop uh, a line to Jeff at I the comics. The Moon Knight show is good. It's going to be great. <laughs> Jeff at the comicsplace.com will get you a voicemail read, an email read, anything like that. We want all of those things. Andrew dropped me an email that had a connection to all of Roman's scores. That was good. Um, get those to us. Um, oh, man. Like four minutes ago, I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say Django. Can I be the one who asks the question this time? Oh, because I had a really good question, and now I, I forget what it is. To figure it out. I, I just I, now I forget what it is. It. I had a good one earlier today, but I think it had to do with that Archie cover that I described God to you guys a little bit earlier tonight. It was that's a pretty fucking good cover. My allowance. I had a good question. That <laughs> An allowance was good is in good. red and outlined in black, so it's like my allowance. Yeah, right, because everyone in that era had an allowance. Yeah. Did yeah. you have an allowance when you were a kid? I did, yeah, but like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. I don't know that it's a super common thing now. I got a dime for every year old I was. <laughs> really? Yeah. A dime for every year old that you were? Every yeah. week? Every week. Wow, I got more money than that. Go fuck <laughs> yourself. It's <laughs> called inflation, Jeff. God damn it. I wish I could remember what my question was. Should we? Uh, I guess we mentioned it early on, but we're open. Yeah, we are. That's been an adventure. And it's been a gosh, real adventure. It's going to be fun to see people again. If you're wondering why the podcasts are late or why we're not talking about 15 books or why anything like that, it's because Django and I have literally been at the store every day for as long as we can remember. Yep. And we don't. I, I woke up today. And Sam was leaving for work and she was like, have a good day. And I was like, I asked her genuinely, what day is it? Because I don't know what day it is. And I don't know what I have to do every day because everything has changed and nothing makes sense. And I'm at work and I love it, but I, it's just crazy. To, I don't, I don't remember what I did. There's the schedule. There's been a year and a half of schedule and that schedule has gone out the window in the last two Dude, weeks. The last three days we we were open for three days friday saturday sunday have reminded me of the beginning of the pandemic and just like this you don't just apply the brakes you stop and you change everything it's like when a baby's born and they go from breathing through their umbilical cord to breathing through their lungs (laughs) that's what it felt like when we shut the store down and what it felt like when we opened the store up and i hate it and i love it all at the same time yeah, so when we closed the store, it was like, okay, I guess we just stop. And this is like, <laughs> oh shit, the light just went from red to green, and we've been sitting here for 30 seconds, and people are honking at us. You better put the pedal on to the floor quick. You know how you do it? You do it like vehicle identification number diesel, and you yeah. live your life a quarter mile at a time. Yeah. Crying in your bedroom alone at night. <laughs> no. Um, we'll see you all next week for 234, I believe. Thank you all. If you're listening to this and you haven't come in and seen us at the store yet, do it. We're there. We're closed Mondays and Tuesdays as a way 
to acclimate and to get a lot of stuff done that still needs to get done. But yeah, come in and visit us. We're there and we are excited to see everyone. I'm not good at talking about comics in the store again yet, but watch, come in and watch me get better at that, I bet. Grade him. Grade him this week and next <laughs> no, week and like don't. six weeks from now. If I get bad grades, improvement for all of us. If I get bad grades, I'll just quit. Dude, I'll just be I couldn't like, I'm not good at this to... anymore. I'm a musician now. I couldn't remember what to recommend somebody who liked Saga the other day. And yeah. that is fucked. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. We put all of our brain towards just staying uh, above water. And now it's like, <laughs> oh, right. Now we have to remember. It's been a year and a half since somebody was like, hey, I like Lumberjanes. What else should I get? I had that list. I knew exactly how to do that. I believed in that list. I just haven't thought about that list in 16 months. So I'm bad at it. it it's like we got thrown off the titanic and then somebody threw us a life preserver and we're doing our best to sink the life preserver just like thrashing around and pushing it down as hard as we can we're working hard to do it roman i can't wait to see your face there you're amazing um i guess we'll see you all next week uh thanks for bearing with us as these podcasts have gotten kind of late and weirdly scheduled we're just opening a store again it's crazy to do it's crazy to do <laughs> Uh, I'm Roman. I'm I'm Roman, but oh, you know I shit. can I can be uh, I'm Frank. What was my question? I'm yeah, so your sad. It was did, good. Did it have to do with Marvel or DC or was it more wide range? In the entire time that we've done this, I've never felt strong enough about a question to be like, "Hey Django, can I do this one?" Dude, and I thought it this time, it. <laughs> but I we kept talking and I forgot it. I forgot. Well, it. I'm Django. I'm Droman. I was wondering though, what if you were to take the Goonies oh. and drop them into any cinematic universe, which one do you think would acclimate the quickest to the screeching and yelling of the Goonies? Mm. We'll see y'all next time for 234. Right now, Jeff, I'm regretting not getting my original art